Hello, everyone. My name is Joseph Barrera. I'm here with Ron Kokinda of the LaRouche Political Action Committee. And today our subject will be Bill Biney and Larry Johnson shred Robert Mueller's Russian hack fable. And uh, I think uh, I'll have Ron explain what this is about, and we'll take it from there. Hi, Joe. Uh, Joseph. Um, Russiagate is hamstrung the Trump administration every ever uh, since the beginning of the administration, before the administration. This has been an ongoing uh, coup attempt against a duly elected government president of the United States. And it's all been based on this so-called uh, alleged uh, Russian hacking of the Democratic National Committee. And what uh, Bill Binney and uh, Larry Johnson uh, expose in this article is put forward the irrefutable proof that the Democratic National Committee uh, was never hacked uh, by the Russians or by anyone else, that the Mueller, Robert Mueller indictment of 15 Russians from the GRU, um, this has all been a fraud. And what uh, Benny, uh, the substance, the new substance of this article is, is that um, they have been recently able to examine the metadata from the uh, material that uh, WikiLeaks released, the emails uh, from the uh, DNC that they released, which uh, show that uh, the timestamp on these emails uh, demonstrate that this came out of uh, a FAT uh, protocol and all ending in even numbers. And so what this has shown is that the material that the WikiLeaks released was uh, taken from a storage device. In other words, um, this, this, is how <clears throat> this is how storage devices uh, 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 transform data, tra keep track of their data. Uh, they round all the timing off to uh, the nearest even number. And so for this to all have been even numbers, which is what they, what the, which is what they discovered, that would have been like um, a probability of one to the 10 to trillions to, tr to the trillionth power. I mean, it's just uh, I infinitely small possibility. So um, uh, the Mueller indictment, uh, he, he is going to... Uh, basically find it impossible in a court of law to demonstrate that the DNC was hacked. And um, that's what they take up in this article. Okay, great. So uh, I'll start with the, uh, the story here in the Rouge Pack. On February 27th, 2019, Bill Biney, the former technical director of the NSA, and Larry Johnson, 
formerly of the CIA, um, wrote, in a sane nation, it would have been published widely in prominent media, discussed and debated. Viney and Johnson would have been immediately contacted by special counselor Mueller because what they have written destroys the entire narrative of Russian cyber war to swing the 2016 election to Donald Trump. Congress would be beating down their doors to learn more in a sane nation. People would be pursuing truth based on scientific proofs. That is not the nation of the present. In our view, to this reasserts its sanity, the nation must now demand that Robert Mueller refute beyond a reasonable doubt what is presented by Benny and Johnson. That is the resounding demand which must meet the specific fake reports he is about to present to the Attorney General. Bill Biney and members of the Veterans Intelligence Professionals for Sanity published a study back in 2017 showing that Guccifer 2.0, the online persona who first claimed responsibility for the DNC hack, was fabrication. Their study was based on a metadata analysis of the documents released by Guccifer 2.0. The metadata gave evidence that the files were downloaded at speeds consistent with and in a manner consistent with copying to a thumb drive or storage device, rather than through an Internet hack. As a result, the president or someone close to him asked Mike Pompeo, at that time the head of the CIA, to meet with Viney. Viney demonstrated to Pompeo that the president was being systematically lied to by the intelligence agencies about the Russian cyber war, election meddling fable, which has now been used to cripple the Trump presidency for over two years. Viney offered to assist in an investigation to unearth the truth as to the perpetrators of the lie, but he was never heard a word back thereafter. When Patrick Lawrence reported on the VIP's study in The Nation, which has since prepended a long editorial note, his journalistic career came under sustained attack, as did the VIP's study more generally. Now, Biney has examined the metadata data, excuse me, of the actual DNC files published by WikiLeaks and demonstrated that the, they are also consistent with transfer to the thumb drive or storage device rather than a Russian Internet-based hack. Although the story has received some attention, as on the Gateway Pundit and Zero Hedge, it must receive the broadest possible circulation. Unlike the claims by the intelligence community and Mueller, this analysis of Biney and Johnson is a public, verifiable 
forensic analysis of WikiLeaks releases, which establishes that Hillary Clinton was attempting to rig the Democratic primaries against Bernie Sanders and that Hillary Clinton, Clinton I said, excuse me, Hillary Clinton was a craven pawn of Wall Street. Both the Obama administration's January 2017 intelligence community assessment and Robert Mueller's indictment of the 12 Russian military intelligence agents for perpetrating the attacks on the DNC and John Podesta, relying on findings lacking available support data. Reported by CrowdStrike, a private firm, a heavenly link to the Warhawks in the Atlantic Councils of the Democratic National Committee. As is well known, the FBI never examined the DNC computers or the computer of John Podesta, instead adopted the analysis of the DNC vendor, CrowdStrike. To make claims of the highest possibility impact of the national security of the citizens of the United States. As former NSA technical director Viney knows and states publicly, if the Russian hack occurred as the intelligence community assessment and Robert Mueller claimed that the NSA would have been able to trace it and attribute it to specifically as to times and places. This has never happened, simply because the hacking scenario advocated by Mueller and the Obama intelligence community never happened. Now, that was an introduction to it, and I want to go on now to why the DNC was not hacked by the Russians. This is is Bill Binney's article that he wrote with Larry Johnson. And uh, listeners should should, um, understand that uh, Bill Benny is um, the former technical director of the NSA. Um, he had um, more than uh, 200 analysts under him. He was in charge of, uh, of course, assessing everything the Soviets were doing for a period of time. Uh, in other words, if the missiles were coming at the United States, it was his responsibility to tell, say, what what was real and what was coming and um, so this is this is not a lightweight. This is a guy who uh, has has operated at very high levels uh, in the uh, in the intelligence community and very familiar. Wrote many of these programs um, that we're talking about here. Okay. Yes, it sounds like he was the grand wazoo of it all. <laughs> all right. This article is by William Benny, the former technical director NSA, and Larry Johnson, former state of Connecticut and the CIA. Um, The FBI, CIA, and NSA claim that the DNC emails published by WikiLeaks on January 26, 2016, were obtained via Russian hack. But more than three years after the alleged hack, no forensic evidence has been produced to support that claim. In fact, 
the available forensic evidence contradicts the official account that blames the leak on the DNC emails on the Russian Internet intrusion. The existing evidence supports an alternative explanation. The files taken from the DNC between the 23rd and 25th May 2016 were copied onto a file storage device such as a thumb drive. If the Russians actually had conducted an Internet-based hack of the DNC computer network, then the evidence of such an attack would have been collected and stored by the National Security Agency. The technical systems to accomplish this task has been in place since 2002. The NSA had an opportunity to make it clear that there was irrefutable proof of Russian meddling, particularly with regard to the DNC hack when it signed on to the January 2017 Intelligence Community Assessment regarding Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. We also assess Putin and the Russian government aspired to help President-elect Trump's election chances when possibly by discrediting Secretary Clinton and publicly contrasting her unfavorably to him. All three agencies agree with this judgment. CIA and FBI have high confidence in this judgment. NSA has moderate confidence. Now, the phrase moderate confidence is intelligence speak for we have no hard evidence. Thanks to the leaks by Edward Snowden, we know with certainty that the NSA had the capability to examine and analyze the DNC emails. NSA routinely vacuumed up email traffic transisting the U.S. using robust collection systems. Whether or not anyone in NSA chose to look for this data is another question. If those emails had been hijacked over the Internet, the NSA would have been able to track the electronic path they traveled over the Internet. This kind of data would allow the NSA to declare without reservations or caveat that the Russians were guilty. The NSA could admit to such a fact in an unclassified assessment without compromising sources and methods. Instead, the NSA only claimed to have moderate confidence in the judgment regarding Russian meddling. If the NSA had hard intelligence to support the judgment, the conclusion would have been stated as full confidence. We believe the special counsel, Robert Mueller, faces major embarrassment if he decides to pursue the indictment he filed, which accuses 12 Russians, GUR military personnel, and an entity identified as Guccifer 2.0 for the DNC hack. Because the available forensic evidence indicates the emails were copied onto a storage device. According to the DOJ press releases on the indictment of the Russians, 
Mueller declares that the emails were obtained via a spear phishing attack. Now, in 2016, officials in Unit 26165 beginning or began, I should say, spear phishing volunteers and employees of the presidential campaign of Hillary Clinton's. I should say that this is what you're reading from here. This is this is from Mueller's indi- excerpt of Mueller's indictment, right? Yes, this is. Um, I believe it to be. Now, through that process, officials in this unit were able to steal the usernames and passwords for numerous individuals and use those credentials to steal email content and hack into other computers. They also were able to hack into the computer networks of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and the Democratic National Committee through these spear phishing techniques to steal emails and documents, covertly monitor the computer activities of dozens of employees, and implant hundreds of files of malicious computer code to steal passwords and maintain access to these networks. Now, the officials in the Unit 26165 coordinated with officials of Unit 74455 to plan the release of the stolen documents for the purpose of interfering with the 2016 presidential election. Defendants registered the domain dcleaks.com, later staged the release of thousands of stolen emails and documents through that website. On that website, defendants claim to be American hacktivists and use Facebook accounts with fictitious names and Twitter accounts to promote the website. After public accusations that the Russian government was behind the hacking of the DNC and the DCC computers, defenders created fictitious persona, Lucifer 2.0. On the evening of June 15, 2016, between 4.19 p.m. and 5.56 p.m., Defendants used their Moscow-based server to search for a series of English words and phrases that later appeared in Guccifer 2.0's first blog post, falsely claiming to be a lone Romanian hacker responsible for the hacks in the hopes of undermining the allegations of Russian involvement. Notwithstanding the DOJ's press release, an examination of WikiLeaks DNC files to support the claim that the emails were obtained via spear phishing. Instead, the evidence clearly shows that the emails posted on WikiLeaks sites were copied onto electronic media, such as a CD, ROM, or thumb drive before they were posted at WikiLeaks. The email posted on WikiLeaks were saved by using the file allocation table, a.k.a. FAT computer file systems architecture. 
An examination of the WikiLeaks DNC files show they were created on the 23rd, 25th, and 26th May, respectively. The fact that they appear in a FAT system format indicates the data was transferred to a storage device such as a thumb drive. How do we know? The truth lies in the last modified timestamps on WikiLeaks files. Every single one of those stamps end in even numbers. If you're not familiar with a FAT file system, you need to understand when a date is stored under this system, the data rounds the time to the nearest even number second. We have examined 500 DNC emails filed stored on WikiLeaks, and all 500 files end in an even number, 2, 4, 6, 8, or even 0. If the system other than FAT had been used, there would have been an equal probability of the timestamp ending with an odd number but that is not the case with the data stored on WikiLeaks site. At the end of an even number, the DNC emails are in three batches times all GMT. The random possibility that that was not used in one chance to two is to the 500th power or approximately one chance to the 10th to the 150 power. In other words, an infinity higher order. Now, Robert, could you want to explain to our listeners what that they're talking about there? Well, it means that the chances of uh, a random uh, time ending in evens in terms of the number of files they examined was uh, infinitely small. As he says, 1 to the 1 times 10 to the 150th power. I mean, that's like um, trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of one in, one in trillions and trillions and trillions or something like that to have taken place. So what, uh, what this does is this puts Russiagate to rest. In other words, how they, Russiagate has been a fiction right from the beginning. I mean, this, is, this has been a complete fraud. This has been a lie of uh, the enemies of the United States. Um, I should say that we, we can discuss where this comes from, who, who has been running this operation. But, um, but it's been a fraud. Um, the uh, discrediting of Guccifer II, which um, uh, Bill Binney uh, uh, did previously, um, was based on their mistake. They, they made the mistake of releasing their metadata, and their metadata said that um, there were, uh, uh, that they downloaded this material at the rate of uh, 49 point something megabytes per second. Now, and whose mistake was that? Well, that, that's the question. I mean, the hypothesis is that Guccifer II was really probably a U.S. intelligence operation, but that's not identified. That is not yet known. Hmm. Um, but the fact that they did release it gave 
competent intelligence analysts the opportunity to say, okay, if this was downloaded at 49 plus megabytes per second uh, over the internet, let's see uh, what we get in trying to do this from all over the world. And and Benny and his friends uh, in in the uh, technical and intelligence community tried this from various places around the world. And um, as they reported at the time, this this was done much earlier. Um, they the best rates that they were able to get was from Maryland to London, um, of about twelve megabytes per second. In other words, the recorded speed that was uh, identified in the Guccifer two material uh, was four times faster that than they could demonstrate from anywhere in the world. Mm. And um, but that but that rate that was identified by Guccifer two is consistent with a rate from a storage device with is consistent with a thumb uh, thumb drive download. So now what we have, now that they've been able to examine the metadata off the material that was released by WikiLeaks, it has demonstrated this fat file uh, characteristic of rounding the timestamps to the nearest even second. And as they say, the probability of that is 1 times 10 to the 150th power which is like trillions and trillions, one in trillions and trillions and trillions of chances. That So can it be demonstrated that the download was done in DNC headquarters? Well, no. You, you, that, that doesn't say where it's been done. But the point is, is that Mueller's claims in the indictment, which is what you read from, the excerpts that you read from in the article, which was the basis for indicting these Russians to say the Russia interfered in this election. They did this spear phishing operation to steal these DNC files. Well, if they did that, now they have to show where the material was transferred to and from a storage device. Mm-hmm. So it, Robert Mueller is hanging out there on a limb now. He has he has nowhere to go because Benny can demonstrate this in a court of law. And um, it also confirms uh, the earlier stories um, from uh, former uh, uh, the former uh, ambassador um, from from Britain who related that. He met someone at American University and got this uh, material, the DNC emails, from an individual who gave him a thumb drive, and that that's what was delivered to WikiLeaks. Uh Uh, And that is consistent with, with what Julian Assange has said publicly, that um. There was no Russian state actor involved in them acquiring the DNC material that that they released. So, <clears throat> so the ambassador story and the Julian Assange WikiLeaks story, their their uh, version of events is um, 
further confirmed and reinforced by what many has now demonstrated. Now, I should go back a little bit and, and, and say that, Excuse you know, me. All this sure. that you're talking about here, could it be found in the LaRouche PAC committee uh, papers there? Yes. Uh, people can go to the LaRouche PAC uh, website, um, first of all, because we've got further interviews with Benny there. Benny, Benny was recently um, at a uh, Schiller Institute conference in, on February 16th in Morristown, New Jersey, and the full proceedings of that con- conference are there, of which Benny was um, a, a one smaller part. Um, but it can also uh, be found in um, the uh, newspaper of the uh, LaRouche Political Action Committee called The Hamiltonian, and um, we've uh, started publishing this um, uh, again. And the publication had been um, ongoing uh, for some time. And um, this is the uh, volume three that is picked up. Uh, this is a weekly. And um, people uh, can get uh, uh, a free copy of this, and they can also... Um, uh, if if people contact us, uh, I can I can give my phone number. It's three one three four three eight six one zero one. We can uh, we can both send a copy, and we can also walk them through how to uh, subscribe uh, to the Hamiltonian um, uh, uh, for free. Sounds great. Good info. I'd I'd want to. Well, it's uh, th- this week's issue is, uh, is is very interesting because, uh, of course, it, we're we're in a situation where the twenty twenty election is coming up. Of course, and um, um, really, what's at stake in this, of course, is uh, the president's reelection. But um, that's a means to an end, and mm-hmm. and the end is the question is. What, it, what is the future of, of the United States? What is the future of the world going to look like? And, of course, what Vinny has laid out is intersecting a, a very uh, much broader, much bigger fight that is now going on between whether the world is uh, going to continue in the old paradigm of uh, the world dominated by really the British Empire, um, this money system dominated by geopolitics, dominated by the British-inspired East-West divide. In other words, where the, the United States um, is, is treats uh, Russia and China as the enemy. We're used and, as their muscle. Yeah, to fight Brit- their wars. British brains and American muscle. Yes, that's that's been a problem in the entire post-war period since World War II. <laughs> and uh, and if we continue in that old paradigm, basically your options are um, a suicide pact, which uh, people call this Green New Deal. Um, but continued economic boom and bust cycles, uh, d- continued deterioration of the economy, um, and and very likely World War Three. 
I mean, that that's what, if we continue in this old paradigm, um, uh, World War III is back very much uh, on, the, on the edge. And um, uh, the new paradigm, the new paradigm is, um, is presents us with a great opportunity here. Um, you see a little bit of it um, in the speech that uh, President Trump gave to the UN where instead of the globalist institutions, instead of the British Empire institutions, you're looking at the possibility of, of bringing about cooperation among the major world powers on uh, the, uh, what some people have called, like um, uh, people like uh, Dr. Edward Teller and Lyndon LaRouche, um, others have talked about as the common aims of mankind. In other words, uh, cooperation among sovereign nation states, sovereign republics. This is um, what one of our great presidents, uh, John Quincy Adams, called a community of principle among sovereign nations. We, we cooperate around our common interests. Well, what's our common interest? You're talking about a future for billions of unborn souls. You're talking about uh, common interest around uh, development of the physical economy. Uh, this, is, this is how we restore sovereignty for the United States, and particularly economic sovereignty. Yes, let's rebuild it. Rebuild it. Yes. He's falling apart everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you never know. You never know when you're driving along the road when your car is going to be swallowed by a pothole. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I shall continue reading this and we'll get back to your Hamiltonian there. Okay. Okay. Um, let me start from uh, this data alone does not prove that the emails were copied at the DNC headquarters but it does show that the data emails posted by WikiLeaks did go through a storage device like a thumb drive before WikiLeaks posted the emails on the World Wide Web. This fact alone is enough to raise reasonable doubts about Mueller's indictment accusing 12 Russian soldiers as the culprit for the leak of the DNC emails to WikiLeaks. A savvy defense attorney will argue, and rightly so, that someone copied the DNC files to storage devices, e.g. UBS, USB, I'm sorry, thumb drive, and transfer that to WikiLeaks. We also tested the hypothesis that WikiLeaks could have manipulated the files to produce the fat result of comparing the DNC email files with the Podesta emails a.k.a. Larder file. This was released on 21 September 2016. The FAT file format is not present in the Podesta files. If WikiLeaks employed a standard protocol for handling data emails received from unknown sources, we should expect the file structure of the DNC emails to match the file structures of the Podesta emails. 
the evidence shows otherwise. There is further compelling technical evidence that undermines the claim that the DNC emails were downloaded over the Internet as a result of spear phishing attack. Bill Biney, a former technical director of the National Security Agency, along with other former intelligence community experts, examined emails posted by Guccifer 2.0 and discovered that those emails could have not been downloaded over the Internet as a result of spear phishing attack. It's simply a matter of mathematics and physics. Shortly after WikiLeaks announced it had the DNC emails, Guccifer 2.0 emerged on the public stage claiming that he had hacked the DNC and that he had DNC emails. Guccifer 2.0 began in late June 2016 to publish documents as proof that he had hacked from the DNC. Taking Guccifer 2.0 at face value, i.e., that is, his documents were obtained via the Internet attack. Bill Biney conducted a forensic examination of the metadata collected, contained in the post documents based on the Internet connection speeds in the United States. This analysis shows that the highest transfer rate was 49.1 megabytes per second, which is much faster than possible from a remote online connection. The 49.1 megabyte speeds coincides with a download rate of a thumb drive. Finally, assisted by other colleagues with the technical expertise, extended the examination and ran various tests forensics from the Netherlands, Albania, Belgrade, and the UK. The fastest rate obtained from a data center in New Jersey to a data center in the UK was 12 megabytes per second, which is less than a fourth of a rate necessary to transfer the data as it was listed in Guccifer 2. The findings from the examination of the Guccifer 2.0 data and the WikiLeaks data does not prove who copied the information to the thumb drive, but it does provide emperor alternative explanation that undermines a special counsel's claim that the DNC was hacked. According to forensic evidence for the Guccifer 2.0 data, the DNC emails were not taken by an Internet spear phishing attack. The data breach was local. It was copied from the network. There is circumstantial evidence that buttresses the conclusion that the data breach was also local effort that copied data. First, there is a top-secret information leaked by Edward Snowden. If the DNC emails had been hacked via spear phishing, as alleged by Mueller, then the data would have been captured by the NSA by means of upstream program. Fairview, Stormbrew, Blarney, Oakstar, and the other forensic evidence would not modify times. The data would be presented as sent 
Second, we have public reporting on DNC claims. It became aware of, wait, I'm sorry. Second, we have a public reporting on the DNC and CrowdStrike, which provide a bizarre timeline for alleged Russian hacking. It was April 29, 2016, when the DNC claims it became aware of its service has been penetrated. No claim yet about who was responsible. According to CrowdStrike founder, Dmitry Alperovich. Alperovich. Thank you. I don't want to say that one again. His company first detected the Russian mucking around inside DNC server on 6 May 2016. The CrowdStrike intelligence analogist reported told, here's your favorite word again, Alperovich. Alperovich, yeah. That... Falcon had identified not one, but two Russian intruders. Cozy Bear, a group CrowdStrike experts believe was affiliated with FSB, Russia's answer to the CIA, and Fancy Bear, which they had linked to the GRU, Russian Military Intelligence. And what did CrowdStrike do about this? Nothing. According to Michael Iskoff, CrowdStrike claimed their inactivity was a deliberate, deliberate plan to avoid alternating the Russians that they had been discovered. This is nonsense. It is a security company detect a thief breaking into a house and stealing its contact. What same company would counsel the client to do nothing in order to avoid alternating the thief? Alerting. Alerting. <laughs> My eyes are going now. <laughs> You're all right. Um, we know from examining the WikiLeaks data that the last message copied from the DNC network is dated Wednesday, the 25th of May, 2016, at 8.48.35. Um, no DNC emails were taken and released to WikiLeaks after that date. CrowdStrike waited until June 10th, 2016. That's almost uh, well over two weeks. To take the concrete steps to clean up the DNC network. Al Perovich told Esquire Vicky Ward that ultimately the teams decided it was necessary to replace the software on every computer at the DNC until the network was clean, secretly was vital. On the afternoon of Friday, June 10th, all DNC employees were instructed to leave their laptops in the office. Why does a cybersecurity company wait 45 days after an allegedly uncovering a massive Russian attack on a DNC server to take concrete steps to safeguard the integrity of the information held on the, on the server? This makes no sense. 
A more plausible explanation is that it was discovered that emails had been downloaded from the server and copied onto a device like a thumb drive, but the culprit had not yet been identified. We know one thing for certain. CrowdStrike did not take steps to shut down and repair the DNC network until 18 days after the last email was copied from the server. A final curiosity is that the DNC never provided the FBI access to its servers in order to qualify FBI technicians to conduct a thorough forensic examination. If this had been a genuine Internet hack, it would be easy for the NSA to identify when the information was taken and the route it moved after being hacked from the server. The NSA had the technical collection systems in place to enable analysis to know the date and the time of the messages, but that has not been done. Taken together, these desperate data points combine to paint a picture that exonerates alleged Russian hackers and implicates persons within our law enforcement and intelligence community taking part in a campaign of misinformation, deceit, incompetence, and it is not a pretty picture. Now, again, this Amen. Is, yes, it is not a pretty picture, and this was published by the LaRouche Political Action Committee, uh, which features Bill Biney and Larry Johnson in the LaRouche Pack. Uh, dot com network and um, we'll hear some more from Ron Kokinda. Well I wanted to stress again that the Hamiltonian um, is available to people and we'll get people hooked up to that. I don't know how we're coming up on our time here. Uh, the phone number is um, 313-438-6101. Give us a call and we'll hook you up to uh, a subscription to getting this paper regularly. Um, let me just say that, uh, for example, one of, the, uh, one of the other articles that is in uh, this current issue, well, two, two of the other articles I just wanted to mention, uh, one is uh, our founder, Lyndon LaRouche. Uh, he passed away on February 12th, and... Um, in this issue of the Hamiltonian is the uh, official uh, obituary. Uh, there's been uh, an amazing outpouring of uh, condolences and uh, remarks by people from all over the world um, in terms of what he has meant and what he had, the role he has played in, in trying to uh, restore the United States to its uh, role as a constitutional republic and to uh, restore our economic sovereignty, and um, <clears throat> I, th I think uh, a survey of those people would give a quite a amazing picture to people in terms of uh, his his role and influence, um, in including from leaders in China and leaders in Russia, Putin's uh, some of Putin's advisors, and the other one of the other articles I just want to mention is. Um, an article that uh, is turned into a two-sided uh, leaflet 
um, can be turned into a two-sided leaflet. It's entitled The Green New Deal, A Prescription for Suicide. And that is, uh, that is something that we can talk about in maybe a future podcast. Uh, but we're going to be making a big campaign around that. Um, it looks like the president is going to set up a climate panel with uh, this gentleman named Happer from Princeton University um, to kind of discuss what's the real science of, of climate and what is man's role in it and begin to get to the bottom of this story rather than the ideology and emotional reactions that people have had. Yeah, like w- the uh, volcanoes, what they all that CO2 that they expel from every time they erupt, uh, how are we going to stop them? Well, it's, uh, it, 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 it's something that makes the plants very happy. They get more carbon dioxide. <laughs> yes, very true. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, scary because uh, these people are putting forth a green pro- so-called green program here that would bring us back to a population level of back about 1790, about 1 billion people on the planet. So the question immediately becomes, well, what are they proposing to do with the other 6 billion? You know, we, we know that uh, 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 Alexandria uh, uh, Cortez has said um, no children, you know. No uh, children and then no trees because no. they're going to cut down all the trees for firewood to yeah. eat. Yeah, well, that's what it would end up being. But... Uh, Yes, uh, six billion people. They're really the bottom line is they're talking about doing away with six billion people. So it's a, uh, it's uh, this is not science. This is not green. This is this is this is a brown policy. This is fascism. This is genocide, and uh, we'll we'll be taking up the science of it. Okay, uh, to our listeners, my name is Joseph Barrera, and this is uh, with. My guest here from LaRouche Political Action Committee, Ron Kokinda, will be signing off on this uh, program right now, and we hope you enjoy and listen to it and spread it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye.